Good morning. It is Friday, March 26th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Jeff Howe, who covers the Texas Longhorns for 24-7 sports over at Horns 24-7. Jeff, you ready to talk a little spring football? Oh, yeah. I was fully ready to talk spring football, but I guess we'll talk about one practice and then maybe whenever Texas gets back to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll update everyone on on that COVID pause in a second. Jeff, real quick though, trigger warning, I have to read a plug about March Madness, but we're going to take this full circle after Texas is lost to Abilene Christian, but just sit tight for two seconds because the madness is underway and you may be wondering, how do I actually watch all these games? What's on CBS? What's not on CBS? Where the heck is my favorite team? Relax. It's easy. Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone. From there, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. So Jeff, the reason I didn't really mind having to do that promo with you already on the air is because when I was thinking about wanting to talk to you about Texas Longhorns spring football, for some reason, I kept being nagged by Texas's loss to Abilene Christian in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And I don't know what it was about that loss, Jeff, but I, I saw I, I saw you describe it in, in so many so many times on the message boards as as the football being pulled away from Charlie Brown. I laughed to myself because I've seen you describe Texas football like that in the similar exact same metaphor or analogy for the last 10 years. And after Texas lost Abilene Christian, I remember thinking to myself, and I'm not shy anymore about like saying, yeah, I'm I'm a Texas guy. The podcast audience knows that. I remember thinking to myself, Jeff, like, why did I get my hopes up? And for some reason, it kind of made me hungover for the start of Texas spring football, where my enthusiasm two months ago with Steve Sarkeesian was so high. And now I'm like, am I sure I want to get reinvested into all this? Because it kind of feels... Like I did the same thing with the Tom Herman era and I just, I don't know, walk me off the ledge. Like tell me that it's going to be different for Texas football. And then of course, you know, that trickles into Texas athletics this time around. It's that whole deal, Trey, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. What about three times? What do you get when you get to to round three with that? Uh, I don't even know, but no, look, let's just kind of go just rewind a little bit. Right. So at the end of the Mac Brown era, I think we were all – and Trey, you were a student reporter, what, through Max next to last year, I think? Or were you there yes, for Max next last, last year? Next to last. Okay. I was not there for the last year. Right. So at the time, the the sentiment around the fan base was, look, it, it's time to move on with Mac. Like, Mac's been great, done so many great things, but the program, it wasn't in a good place. So when Charlie got the job, we were just kind of ready for a fresh start. Now, the coaching search, that's – we don't have enough time in this podcast or – numerous podcasts to get through the the 2013-14 Texas coaching search. But, you know, Charlie Charlie Strong comes in, and I think everybody's just, okay, breath of fresh air. It's a new way of doing things. And, you know, did we write way too much about five core values and all that stuff in the offseason? Probably. We probably over debanking a little bit. But then the Charlie Strong era goes the way it goes, and it doesn't get back on track. And then so by the end of his tenure, it's like, okay, Tom Herman's here. Everybody's eating, you know, runny eggs and drinking water out of gym socks and stuff in the off season, you know, you know, the whole deal. And there was like, Hey, great new attitude. And then the Maryland game happened. So Trey, I, I think your apprehension is this. And I heard you and Josh Pate talking about this earlier this week. Like you start looking at that non-conference schedule and because Texas fans and folks like me who covered the program have been down this road before, like that Louisiana game should not be taken lightly by anybody who's followed this program in the last 10 years. That's not an easy home game. 
going to Fayetteville. Now, we don't know what the attendance is going to be like for that game, but, you know, there's a generation of Texas fans who don't know and don't understand just how much Arkansas still hates Texas. I mean, you you cross into that state line, you cross that state line and go into Arkansas wearing Longhorn gear. It's like some people didn't get the memo that the Southwest Conference disbanded. So it's it's a heated rivalry. And Sam Pittman, I think, achieved and, and went beyond everybody's expectations. I think even the most optimistic Arkansas fan would probably be or should be surprised with what they did last year. So I think it's the history that that you, Trey, as, as, as an alum and as a as a reporter following this program have been through. And then you look at that schedule and say, man, are we about to do this again? I do think the difference, though, is the roster is much better than when Charlie Strong took it over. It's much better, definitely, than when Tom Herman took it over. There's talent on campus, like legit talent, like your talent that you're not talking yourself into, okay, is this a talented roster or not? Like, you can look at B. John Robinson and, and guys like Alfred Collins and say, okay, these guys, they can play for just about anybody in the country. There are some of those guys on this roster where there, there haven't necessarily been a ton of those guys through the two previous coaching changes. And then I think Steve Sarkeesian giving Texas the schematic advantage that they didn't have under Tom Herman. I mean, we we had heard and we'd seen I think the frustrating thing, Trey, we saw at Houston kind of the schematic advantage that Tom Herman could give you, and we never really saw it at Texas. And when you're in this league, A, facing the kind of defensive minds you're going to face, whether it's Dave Aranda or Gary Patterson, and then when you get into a high-scoring game, which we know most Big 12 games can be, and you're having a match wits with with Lincoln Riley or you know a Sonny Cumbie, uh, a Mike Gundy, you know, can you give your team that little extra juice to put them over the top? Tom Herman couldn't give that to him. That's what you're banking on happening with Steve Sarkeesian. I was in Austin last week and I was driving around campus, popped into the co-op Texas bookstore. They've got the all gas, no brakes shirts. I drove past the, the stadium DKR, obviously under construction. It's, it's just perfect timing for this new era of Texas football. What do you think you mentioned the offense? Like, what do you think will define this first season of this new era? Like, you know, COVID pause aside, and, and the, ho- the hope is as we record this on a Thursday, yeah. Texas will return to action by, by early next week. But like, w- what in spring practice will dictate what's defining? Is it, is it a quarterback battle? Is it, is it not playing down to competition? Is it not losing recruits? I don't know. What is the most important thing going on here? I think, Trey, when you get into the season, I think it's beating the teams you're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them, right? Like like that Louisiana game, the line's going to come out and, and mark this down, no matter what that line is, we should all look at it and say, wow, that that's too high. You know, I, I think if Texas, in, I, I think if they just win that game, as long as it's, you know, not a, not a nail-biter, last possession type deal or anything like that, uh, I think everybody should feel good about going and winning that game. Just like I think people should feel good about Texas going to Fayetteville and winning a game. But, you know, I I like, Trey, I like, I look at the Texas Tech game last year, right? Like, that's one that just jumps out to me. So Texas is what, uh, you know, they're like a 15, 16-point favorite going to Lubbock against the Texas Tech team that in hindsight just wasn't very good. And you need a basically a miracle finish to just get that game into overtime and then go win it. And I know everybody's celebrated and everybody's happy and you should never apologize for winning a football game. But like, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's winning the games you're supposed to win the way you're supposed to win them and avoid those games like the two Maryland losses Tom Herman had, like the loss to Texas Tech his first year. You know, even though I, I think most people who follow college football and follow this league know that Iowa State now under Matt Campbell isn't what Iowa State was 
10 years ago under Paul Rhodes and losing to Iowa State now is not the, uh, you know, the kind of the, the albatross, if you will, that it used to be. But, you know, it's it's like beating Iowa State. It's figuring out a way that, to, you know, get that series with TCU a little bit more on your side. I mean, Gary Patterson has dominated Texas since TCU got into the league. And there have been some years, the last two specifically, where TCU has won that game and you felt like either A, they didn't play their best game or B, they just, you just looked at the roster and said, wow, this is not a better football team that beat Texas. So I think it's those two things, right? I think it's winning the games you're supposed to win the way you win them the way you need to win them, and then not having those forgettable losses, which goes back to something you said, and this was my biggest, maybe my biggest complaint against Tom Herman. Start playing to a standard. Like, stop, you know, Tom Herman was was great in, in games where Texas was the underdog, but in games like this, like, do you realize Tom Herman never covered a spread against Kansas? Like, think about that for a second. Like, if that's not the level of playing up and down to your competition, like, you got wins over Georgia and Oklahoma, and, you know, you beat a, a you know a top 11, top 10 Utah team in a bowl game, just obliterated them, and then you've never covered a spread against Kansas. Like, if that's not defining playing to your competition, I don't know what it is. So that, to me, is really what it boils down to. Can you just get back to this program will be at a level I think people can respect once again nationally, when they start playing to that standard like they did for so long under Mac Brown, when when Mac really had it roll. Yeah, I think a lot of Texas fans are just ready for the days when you can have a Saturday that you can almost just not have to worry about. And you're playing a, a bad team, okay, it's going to be a blowout, and, and let's go out to dinner after. Jeff, let's wade into the Sam Ellinger conversation. You and I spoke about this on the, on the phone uh, before the Alamo Bowl in the thick of last season. I think we are kind of at differing points. I was telling you, full disclosure, I was sort of ready for a new era of Texas quarterbacking. You were telling me you think Texas will miss Sam Ellinger more than the people who are saying get him off the field would tend to think. Where do you stand right now, having seen the Alamo Bowl and Casey Thompson and, and being in the thick of covering a spring QB battle between Thompson and Hudson Card, who was a dynamite recruit? Yeah, well, uh, there's a couple layers to this one. I think the quarterback battle itself, I mean, look, I, I want to cover a quarterback battle between Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd, and I like both of those guys personally, but it's come it's come a long way since then when you're like, gosh, I guess you got to start one of these guys and hope it works out. No, I think the quarterback position is a good answer. You know, Trey, honestly, I mean, you look at college football landscape. I mean, that's a, when you're replacing a four-year starter, that's about as good of a quarterback battle as you can hope to have, right? Like a guy that's going into his fourth full year in the program and then, you know, a nationally top, I don't remember off the top of my head where Hudson Card was in the composite. I think it was like 50, 55, 60, somewhere around there. So a top, you know, 60-ish prospect in the country who didn't have to play last year, just got to sit and learn. That's a pretty good spot to be in for your quarterback battle. Going back to Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd, that's where, that's the prism I view Sam Ellinger through in terms of how much Texas will miss him. Because if you just look at Casey Thompson's Alamo Bowl performance, it takes nothing away from it at all, right? Like, I think it's it says a lot about a guy's preparedness and how seriously he took the job of being the backup quarterback to come in cold off the bench and start, start the second half and do what he did throwing four touchdown passes in that bowl game. I thought that was tremendous on his part. But, you know, if you're a Texas fan and you're just going to take bowl game occurrences and performances with anything other than a big, huge, fat grain of salt, then you've learned nothing in the last 10 years following this program. Uh, we've seen really good bowl performances and it just hasn't, you know, it hasn't carried over to the following season or carried on, you know, long down the road. I just think Trey, go, looking at the quarterback situation in Texas between Colt McCoy and between Sam Ellinger, 
you've got a, a guy who was a say rank Sam wherever you want him in the pantheon of Texas quarterbacks, but you've got a guy as a four-year starter who's leaving the program as the most statistically prolific quarterback in school history, not named Colt McCoy. Like when you've got a proven commodity like that at quarterback, you don't just throw that guy in the trash bin and say next up, you know, it, it's going to hurt. And you would like to have maximized the time that he had. Now that's when you get into the minutia of, well, how much of some of those close losses was on Sam? How much of it was on Tom Herman? That's a conversation for another day. But I know a lot of Texas fans are just kind of ready for the, the next thing. And, and that's human nature. But for me, uh, it's been since Colt McCoy that Texas had a guy behind center that every time out you knew, hey, this guy's going to give you a chance to go win ball games. That's something that's really, really hard to find. And once you've got it, you want to maximize it. And for a variety of reasons, Texas didn't. But now it's on Sark to take either Casey Thompson or Hudson Card and, and try to get the program to a level that Tom Herman just, just wasn't going to get it to. It is on Sark, and he's got two good options. And I think the Casey Thompson story is really cool. Entered the transfer portal a few years ago, came back to school at Texas. Like I, I've read an interview as his dad did with Chip Brown, your colleague at Horns 24-7, and you know, Casey's really confident. Felt like he was the best quarterback in the room. And now he's wearing Sam's number 11 jersey. Like this is, as a gossip, this is a tantalizing storyline to me. I can see why, especially after the Alamo Bowl and a kid who waited his turn, he would probably be the front runner here. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it's, it's, it's even because Jeff, I was a little confused. I was reading the, the athletic Bruce Feldman did an interview with some former Texas coaches and they compared Hudson card to like Aaron Rodgers. And I I'm thinking like, it makes sense. He wouldn't have replaced Sam Ellinger, but like that's, that's pretty high praise. Do you have any inclination on which, which way uh, Sark might be leaning right now? Yeah, I mean, look, I heard once heard Tyrone Swoops compared to Cam Newton. I once heard Gerard Hurd compared to, you know, saying he's got Heisman Trophy winning stuff. I once heard Shane Bouchelle compared to Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, quarterback comparisons to me are neither here nor there because there's, there's so much. You know, that's the one position, Trey, and, and even in the recruiting game when we do stuff, that's really the one position. And offensive line to a much lesser extent, like you really don't know what you got until that guy lines up behind center in a game when there's 11 guys on the other side of the ball looking to knock his head off. How's he going to respond? So much of that, you just don't know. It's not like other positions where there's more tangible things. Most of playing quarterback, in my opinion, is that it's intangible. No, I like it. And you're so right. And you also, like, you left out that uh, Sam Ellinger got Tim Tebow comps too. But no, no, well, you're I'll, right. I'll like, we I'll... don't know. And, and we were all surprised. Yeah. I was shocked to see how well Casey Thompson played in the Alamo Bowl. I'll say this too, Trey, you know, so I I say that to say this, like, yes, I do think Casey Thompson goes in the spring with the inside track on the job, but I do think, and Sark said this after the first practice, you know, they're, they're going to give those guys, they're going to rep them both with the ones. I, I think for the sake of the program, the longer this quarterback battle can go on, the better it is because the worst thing that can happen is one of these guys goes into the portal, like right after spring ball. And then you're back in that position where you're left with whoever's left on campus. And now by default, Charles Wright, the true freshman at Austin High, is your backup. And that's a place where I don't care if you're Texas or whatever. That's a place you don't want to be when you just you're, you're just out of options and the margin for error becomes really thin. But I'll add this too, Trey. No matter who's behind center, if Steve Sarkeesian can maximize B. John Robinson, it's going to make that quarterback's job so much easier because the one piece that gets left out of the Casey Thompson bowl performance, it's much easier for a guy to settle in when his first snap of the game, he can come off the goal line 
hand it to number five and he takes it 60 yards down the field like so having that guy in the backfield a legitimate true difference maker and we know look we'll look at Najee Harris's numbers like over 250 carries somewhere around there at Alabama but he also caught up with 40 balls like Sarge proven in his career as a, as a play caller that if he's got a bell cow running back he's going to use him and use him a lot so I think whoever wins this job you're going to really be able to settle into it because you've got a guy who you know when the preseason magazines come out and we're voting on preseason all conference teams I think he'll be in a conversation for the best you know 10 best five running backs in America Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, that's why you're so good at what you do, Jeff, because I almost let us go 20 minutes on a Texas Longhorn podcast without talking about my guy, B. John Robinson. We appreciate you joining us. Hopefully the pause in soon and the Longhorns will get back to practice. I know you're excited to cover it. Everybody follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howe 247. He is also the co-host of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. You can find that right there in your Texas 24-7 sports podcast feed. And Jeff, I told my dad I was talking to you today and he said he loves it and he, he wanted me to tell you he loves listening to you as well on the horn atx so i uh, appreciate you joining us our producers lance glenn i'm trey scott everyone have a great weekend enjoy the march madness we'll talk to y'all on monday